This, this is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. Warm welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. Welcome to Jordan Space. Every fortnight, you can join me, your host, Steve Phillip, alongside Danielle and Paul from the Jordan Legacy team, together with some very special guests for an hour of conversation, music, and above all, hope. Welcome to Jordan Space. This show does discuss themes of suicide, and we'd encourage you to take care of yourself by stepping away from the show at any point, should you find the content triggering or uncomfortable to listen to. For support, please visit our website, thejordanlegacy.com, and our help menu options. Before we get into today's show, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this track. Welcome back. I'm Steve Phillip, and you're listening to Jordan Space. Every fortnight for 60 minutes, we want Jordan Space to be a place that you can come to and learn more about the issues surrounding what can often be seen as a taboo subject suicide. Our mission is to open up the conversation in a way that helps more people feel comfortable about sharing their experiences of suicide and in doing so help smash the stigma surrounding this issue. Each 60-minute show will include conversations with our regular co-hosts Danielle and Paul. We'll also provide regular updates about our work at the Jordan Legacy and how it's progressing and through a mix of conversation, guest stories and music our goal is to have you leaving Jordan space, feeling inspired and believing that no matter how bad things get, there is always hope. Time for another inspirational quote. Be happy. Be inspired. There is a crack in everything. That is how the light gets in. Leonard Cohen. This, this is Yawa Radio. Welcome back. I'm Steve Phillip and you're listening to Jordan Space. One of the reasons why the Jordan Legacy exists is to open up the conversation around suicide. Talking openly about suicide and suicide prevention is at the heart of the solution to reducing the more than 6,000 deaths by suicide in the UK every year. I'd like to welcome to the show Danielle and Paul. Um, how are you both? Good, thank you. Yes, very good, Steve. Still, good. still uh, thinking about last week's show with Sangeeta, which was so good. It was an amazing show, and the response to that has been absolutely uh, incredible. Um, look, on August the 11th, uh, we're hosting the next in the series of the Jordan Legacies online discussion events. And the theme for this one is going to be let's talk about suicide with a very clear question mark and explanation mark at, at the end of that. Paul, we, we've been very deliberate about uh, that, really. And I think it's a good opportunity to, to kind of hand over to you just to talk a little bit about this, this event and uh, what it all relates to. Sure. Well, um, as we often say, talking about suicide and suicide prevention is at the heart of uh, preventing lives You know, all the kind of initiatives that we work around. Uh, it's really critical for people to talk openly without stigma. 
the question mark is, are, are we, I suppose, are we talking about it? Um, are people comfortable talking about this? And to some extent, that's a rhetorical question because we know a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about it. And this is an event with an opportunity to say, look, it is a difficult topic, but we do need people to talk about it. There are guidelines, you know, Samaritans, Mindframe, et cetera. There's a few guidelines out there to help people and we can cover those. We will cover those at the event. And also we've got some research that we're going to, uh, going to publish, reveal for the first time at this event great now now look the research I, I know we're going to be kind of sharing some of this on the day i don't know how much you want to give away at this point but uh, obviously you were highly instrumental in in the connection with mel research and uh, maybe there's a little bit of a teaser you could share in terms of uh, how that all came about really yeah it's uh, the research is an interesting topic in itself because there is a lot of research out there but um it's very rarely kind of pulled together in a neat and accessible way. And when you look at the research, there's also gaps and some of it is very old. You know, people are still quoting research from the 1980s and some of the major charities on their websites quote figures which are from surveys back in 2007. And, and if we are to tackle suicide and we are to, to open up this conversation, part of that is having regular up-to-date um, you know, information and surveys on what the population know and think. And so we wanted to make sure the questions that perhaps weren't being asked or hadn't been asked for some time were asked in 2022. And we were fortunate to have a research agency, MEL Research, who partly because of their own, um, you know, their own particular interest in this topic and their preparedness to ask these challenging questions, uh, wanted to partner with us and and so yeah the questions were designed and there's questions there about the incidence of, of suicidal thoughts and behavior there's questions about myths and there's questions about people's attitudes and one of the questions was um, you know agree or disagree we should be talking more openly about suicide and um, four in five agreed with that 40 percent strongly agreed with that and only five percent disagreed so here we are that's that's interesting. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, Danny, Paul was uh, you know, mentioned the word myth there, and there are a lot of myths surrounding uh, suicide. And one of those is that talking about suicide with someone who is struggling um, will put the, the thought in their head. Um, what's your your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think actually the research and evidence shows that the talking about it and asking outright. Um, if someone is thinking of taking their own life, it won't increase the risk and, and that you're more likely actually to save a life that way. We know from many people we've, we've spoken to, those that have survived suicide attempts, one of the things that they found was just having someone who was prepared to talk with them and, and listen is really important. Um, Paul, in terms of the event on August the uh, 11th, um, what, what are you hoping people are going to take away from that? Well, first of all, I'm hoping that people will bring a lot to it. Um, I think that, you know, when we have these events, they've been very successful in the past. We've had a very active chat. We've had a lot of questions coming in and we've had panel discussions and we've tried to keep the presentational content relatively short to so maximise time for discussion. And we'll encourage people to talk about their experiences of talking about suicide, whether that's brilliant tips and great practice examples and asking direct questions through their training or whether that's people who are feeling uncomfortable and wanting some support, let's do that. But there'll be a presentation of the research. 
We will talk about the good practice guidelines that exist that we should be referring to. And we should, uh, you know, we'll also make sure we leave lots of time for discussion. So I think people will go away from that feeling better informed, hopefully a little bit more confident, uh, prepared to have those, uh, those conversations like they do on the mental health first aid training courses and the suicide prevention courses as well that we partner on. Um, and I think that they'll, they'll find the research as, a, as a, a stimulus to conversation. That's what it's intended to do. Oh, that's great. No, re really looking forward to that. And uh, if you're listening and you'd like to join this 90-minute discussion event, Let's Talk About Suicide, on August the 11th from 11am UK time, you can visit our website at thejordanlegacy.com and the news and events page. Okay, uh, thank you both. Uh, we're going to take a short break now when we return. Uh, really looking forward to hearing from our next guest, Dr. Sonia Hutton-Taylor, where we're going to talk about uh, burnout and the links to suicide. We'll be right back after this track. With inspirational guests from around the world, inspirational quotes, the inspirational book of the week, the meditation hour, the quiet zone, and feel good music. Yawa Radio is about well-being, happiness, and finding the beauty within. Enjoy. Be beautiful. Be happy, be inspired. This is Yawa Radio. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, today, we're talking with our guest, Dr. Sonia Hutton-Taylor. In 1990, Sonia set up Medical Forum, an independent career guidance facility oh. for doctors, following on from her earlier career as an ophthalmologist. Since then, she has worked at the junction of career guidance, occupational health and medical education. She describes the well-being burnout continuum as her passion and has worked with many professionals who are experiencing varying degrees of burnout. I'd like to welcome to Jordan Space, Dr. Sonia Hutton-Taylor. Welcome, Sonia. It's great to have you join us. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really lovely to be here. Yeah, it's great that you're with us. And I was particularly pleased that we were able to have you as a guest uh, with so much focus on mental health issues like anxiety and depression, particularly. Um, personally, I sometimes feel that burnout is one of those topics that isn't talked about as much as the other mental health illnesses. Am I right about that? And if I am, why, why do you think that is? Uh, well, I think burnout is talked about increasingly, but I don't think it's being talked about in a particularly constructive way because it's not terribly well understood. And there are lots and lots of misconceptions and misunderstandings about it. Um, so I feel quite strongly that, that its impact is, is pretty much underestimated. Okay, so it's interesting. I know when I deliver talks myself on mental health issues, burnout is one of those things I tend to add on and, and, and I'm a little uncertain you know, about it and where it fits. So I think it's one of the reasons why I'm really fascinated to, to have you on today to be talking about this. We're obviously going to look at burnout in, in much more depth during the conversation, but briefly, uh, would you tell us a little bit about your career? You, you started as an ophthalmologist and then of course switched um, from being a regular doctor, if I can use that term, to focusing on career development and burnout. What, what led to that switch for you? Well, I loved medicine. That much was very clear. And it was the right career start for me. I just became more interested in why people choose their careers. And I'm not entirely sure why, really. Perhaps I had some career doubts myself. But I realized that I was heading for being a pretty average eye doctor. I had colleagues 
who I thought were, were exceptional. Uh, and I don't think it was, um, it, you know, uh, anything that, that I was doing wrong. It's just that I wanted to feel truly passionate about something. And I began to notice those around me, my colleagues suffering health problems that were affecting their work or even their ability to remain in medicine at all. And I saw this as a massive need and a massive, massive hole. That's interesting. A, a question I'd like to ask you, given what you do now, were, were you given career guidance yourself? Well, actually, no, I, I don't think I ever received anything that I would now describe as career guidance. Uh, I, I probably would have done occupational health rather than ophthalmology. And in fact, I eventually did an occupational health diploma just for interest, uh, but I've never practiced using that. We're here to talk about particularly burnout and, and its links, of course, with uh, with suicide that we'll explore, particularly that area a little later in the conversation. Um, but a question for you to start with, really, what is burnout and who is most likely to experience it? Well, who can get it if I can deal with that one first? Anyone can get burnout. Uh, in my experience, it's more likely to affect hardworking, responsible and ambitious people. Um, there are also certain personality traits which seem to be more at risk too, uh, such as perfectionists or people pleasers. Um, personally, I've not had it, but I'm certain I've been heading for it for a few times in my life. I've just been lucky enough to be able to fend it off. But in theory, I could get it, so anyone could get it. Um, I think if I did get it, it would be a little bit embarrassing having set up a service to educate people uh, how to avoid and, and deal with burnout. But, but it, I don't think it, it's something that, that one can always avoid. Uh, and just because one knows a lot about it doesn't mean it would be impossible. What, what is burnout? Well, I, I've actually got um, 11 different definitions for burnout. <laughs> which uh, I won't go into now, but the World Health Organization in 2019 came up with a, a very good one as part of their international classification of diseases. And they say it's a psychological syndrome. So not a, an illness, not a mental health problem, a psychological syndrome uh, that occurs only in the workplace. So they would say um, other people like students or athletes, you know, would not have burnout. I would argue with that. But um, so it occurs in the workplace uh, as a result of chronic stress that is unaddressed or poorly managed. How would I know if I was experiencing burnout? Well, you would certainly feel very, very tired. Um, and the most malevolent thing about burnout is that it creeps up on people. And it grows so slowly that people have a natural tendency to sort of assimilate it or absorb it into their way of life. So they, they tolerate it. Uh, so the burnout it gets worse and the person then assimilates that and that becomes a norm. And then the burnout gets a bit worse and the person assimilates that and that becomes the norm and so on and so forth. Uh, and this is why occasionally people will have uh, what I call a burnout collapse or a catastrophic burnout outcome where they where they literally physically or mentally collapse and everybody is is often quite surprised that this person has suddenly you know not been able to perform uh, but they've been maintaining their abilities at work uh, at some cost to themselves and the rest of their lives. That's, that's interesting you know what I'm taking away from that is that, that it's potentially even more difficult to spot someone who or even in yourself if you're experiencing burnout potentially compared with say anxiety or, or depression is, is that a fair statement? 
Yes, I think so. I think if you've got exhaustion that is getting worse and worse and is not restored by normal sleep, so you wake up as tired as you were when you went to bed, and if you've got a sense of detaching or disengaging, if you like, um, not just from work, but all aspects of life, and you've also got a, a growing sense of really not achieving anything, you know, what's the point, and your productivity may well drop off, um, but as I said, not at the early stages because performance is usually uh, quite well maintained at the cost of other aspects of life. If you've got those three things, exhaustion, detachment, and a growing sense of not achieving much, um, you've almost certainly got burnout. And it certainly needs to be uh, looked at whether or not that's burnout. I mean, if, it, if someone has depression, it's, it's possible that they might experience some of those feelings. But whatever it is, it needs uh, looking at. Yes, Sonia, I'm uh, really interested in uh, all these issues that you're raising. One in particular is, um, are there particular professions or sectors that, where, where burnout is more prevalent? I, I've worked in the research sector and, and the Market Research Society now has a regular well-being tracker and researchers identified particular issues in that sector, partly because researchers feel if they just work harder, do more research, they'll find more answers. Uh, and it isn't quite work like that. Uh, but from your experience and your knowledge, are there particular professions or sectors where it is more prevalent? Well, I see it in all industries, Paul, and in yeah. all professions. I do think there are uh, industry and profession-specific contributing factors, and there's more research done in some sectors, such as the health sector. So we know that doctors have between 40 and 50% of burnout. You take 100 doctors, 50% of them will have burnout. But these will be at varying degrees of burnout, from perhaps early or pre-burnout through to um, the catastrophic levels of burnout that I mentioned earlier, um, where collapse or prolonged sick leave is, is going to be required. Yeah, and I suppose it also raises questions about how um, different professions and sectors um, you know, support or not, um, because obviously if it's prevalent across all sectors, it can happen across all sectors, um, that's one issue, but then what's the support like across different sectors and professions? Yes, I would agree with that. And also the research on burnout is very extensive, but the, the type of research that's done often focuses on uh, just one group and how bad that, that group um, is suffering from burnout. Mm. Uh, and it also often only looks at one type of intervention, if indeed it looks at any interventions. So if I've learned anything about burnout, it's that one size does not fit all in terms of addressing it. Um, the causes are multifactorial, the people are all different, their reactions to it are all different, and burnout itself has varying grades of severity, or there is a progress uh, through a burnout pathway. So when you're measuring burnout, to just say, you know, 50% of doctors have burnout, well, you know, how bad is that burnout? Today, we're talking with Dr. Sonia Hunton-Taylor, who specializes in helping professionals face up to burnout. We're going to take a short break now, and we'll hear more from our guest after this next tune. This, this is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. Welcome back. Sonia, would you say that burnout is very much a 20th and 21st century problem? I understand that the actual term burnout was coined in 1974, and yet it was only recognised as a syndrome as late as 2019. Well, we certainly notice it more now, and we certainly talk about it more now. 
I suspect if one could look back with a retrospectoscope, you know, 100, 200 years, you would in fact find burnout in people because I think it's part of the human condition. If your personality is one that you want to achieve and you're working in a place that requires high levels of achievement and more and more is put on you and you're unable to say, uh, you know, this is too much or, or exercise some assertiveness about your workload for various reasons, uh, then I think burnout is going to arise. And so I think it probably was uh, in existence, but the two researchers that really brought it into the forefront were Christina Maslach and Her Herbert Freudenberger. Um, and as you say, they were doing research in the 1970s. And so that's really when it got put onto the map. Um, but it, it's sort of been growing, I think, for you know, 20, 30 years at least, um, in, in my experience. So that's 50 years if we go back to 1974, 1972 is 50 years. So it, it's clearly been around for quite a while, but I think it's probably been around longer than, uh, than 1974. It's interesting, isn't it, that the way the institutions uh, respond to these. Uh, you know, so fascinating to hear what you're saying about um, burnout. I mean, with suicide as well, the, the World Health Organization refused to, uh, to, to cover suicide until its first report in 2015, because it said suicide wasn't a, an illness. So it's there as a condition, but we don't treat it as something that needs addressing. It's strange, isn't it? It it certainly seems, you know, from what we're discussing here, that um, you know burnout has been around uh, for for some time. And I suppose that leads me to another question, Sonia: is uh, yeah, how might burnout impact on other aspects of people's life other than than just work? You know, earlier you referred to athletes for example so um yeah just interested to hear how it might ask, um, impact on other people's lives in in different ways i think the biggest effect that burnout has is on people's families because they will maintain as much function as possible at the workplace because their job is is what the family will depend on or that the more even if they don't have a family their mortgage their their lifestyle is dependent on the job so it's other things that go by the wayside so relationships with families start to become very strained uh, the person may isolate themselves or withdraw uh, i had a client uh, not long ago whose family were going to go on holiday and uh, she said oh she didn't want to go um, and i said under no circumstances must your family go without you and if you don't go they can't go because i was worried about her mental state um, so it's the family that takes the brunt of it and friends of course as well other areas of life that can be affected career promotions um, one's finances may be affected by the sheer lack of energy um, so it has a, a large number of Im impacts outside the workplace that's interesting we often talk about the the ripple effect of a, of a death by suicide but you know in much the same way you know burnout can have a ripple effect on others around the individual that's actually experiencing it then Oh yes, if, you, if you've ever worked with someone who has burnout in the workplace, they, they are hard, hard work to work with. Uh, and so their, their attitudes and their intransigence or their resistance to change or their uh, lack of engagement will be a real thorn in the side of those around them and in turn can contribute to other people getting burnout as well. 
how long does it take to recover from burnout? Obviously, we were talking before about the severity. So I suppose that sort of impacts how long it takes to recover from burnout. Yes, the severity does impact on the recovery time. And again, you know, how long is a piece of string? It will depend on the resources available to the person, the severity of the burnout, how a person is reacting to burnout, uh, and the, the type of support that they've got available to them. So I think the shortest time I've ever seen for what I would describe as proper burnout to recover is probably about six to eight weeks. That was relatively mild or early pre-burnout. The, the more catastrophic levels of burnout uh, can take 12 to 24 months for the person to really feel back to their normal selves. But that doesn't mean that they don't get some improvements, you know, almost straight away. It's not like they've got burnout for, for two years and then it suddenly lifts. Usually people are aware that the burnout is improving and they can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so that's what helps them maintain the momentum. But it's also a reason why severe burnout really needs quite a lot of support in terms of its resolution. So a common practice is for GPs to sign people off sick with burnout. And I've known people have uh, sick leave for you know, three months, but yet have almost no structure put into that three months. So I think that's quite a problem as well. One of the comments I've noticed on your LinkedIn profile, anyone tells you to just get a good night's sleep or have a holiday um, <laughs> to address burnout, you should run, I think is a statement you, you've made. Yes, I, I was probably feeling a bit extreme that day, but, but certainly uh, I would say those suggestions are, in my view, sticking plaster approaches to burnout. And it, they are examples of, you know, people throwing the kitchen sink at burnout and trying this, oh, that doesn't work, trying that, that doesn't work, trying something else, that doesn't work. And if you ask someone with severe burnout, did you enjoy your, your last holiday? The answer will invariably be, no, I was dreading going. I spent the whole time exhausted while I was there. And towards the end of the holiday, I was dreading coming back. Now, people are supposed to enjoy their holidays. Holidays are supposed to be restorative and refreshing. And if someone is merely hanging on by their fingernails before they go on holiday, only just coping with the holiday and dreading coming back, then that's, that, that means that the holiday is not doing its, its job. People will suggest to, to go on holiday. Oh, what you need is a holiday. And, and, and that's the last thing somebody with burnout needs is a holiday. They need to address the burnout. Uh, holidays do not address burnout. Uh, sick leave does not address burnout. Sick leave is sick leave. Antidepressants do not address burnout. If the depression is there, then yes, someone needs antidepressants or help for depression. But, you know, antidepressants treat, treat depression antidepressants don't treat burnout and it's it's those uh, i know we've exchanged posts on linkedin on this as well uh, sonia that that the difference between basic tiredness and burnout where tiredness holiday can be good for tiredness but burnout is a trauma experience that you need support and treatment for right i, I think you've summarized that very well sonia the theme of today's show is is burnout and the link with suicide and you know, the Jordan legacy you know a lot of our research and conversations we have tend to lead to the conclusion that when someone is contemplating ending their own life they're often experiencing a, a sense of entrapment which can 
lead to a sense of hopelessness. My question for you here is, I don't know how easy this is to answer, is, is how does that description I've, I've just given fit with people who uh, are experiencing burnout that you see? Do, do you believe there's a, a causal link between burnout and suicide? I do. Uh, and that's because depression can impact or impinge or arise within burnout in several different ways. So a person may be depressed and then develop burnout, uh, which will, of course, uh, contribute to the depression and the two uh, contribute to each other. Then later on in the burnout, it's possible for the person to become depressed, even if they weren't depressed to start with. And then in the final stages of burnout, according to Herbert Freudenberger's model, uh, stage 11 or 12, depression becomes a feature, an actual feature of the burnout. And so at that point, the depression is, is uh, already superimposed on, on a person who's already quite unwell. And so the level of depression that can arise at that point, I think, can be very profound. And I've got plenty of anecdotal evidence of uh, serious depression and burnout coexisting and resulting in suicide. Can I ask you maybe a slightly odd, odd question here, though? Is, is there anything good about burnout? Yes, it's a short answer. Uh, I think burnout represents an opportunity to completely reevaluate what's important to you in life, where you're going in life. Are you in the right vehicle for, for reaching the goals that you want to achieve? Is the career well matched? Are you uh, in touch with yourself and your body and your mind in terms of caring for yourself? So the potential outcome for addressing burnout fully and coming out the other side is, is a sort of really renewed person almost on a spiritual basis for some people in in that their life is unrecognizable from sometimes what it was even pre pre the burnout i suppose the point there is that that you you, you first got to recognize that you're experiencing burnout and be prepared to take uh, some kind of action as you've just described to uh, to address it yes and i think it is very difficult for some people to face up to burnout uh, I, I have a lot of experience talking to doctors on this subject, and, and they don't like to admit illness of any sort, never mind burnout. Uh, the culture of medicine is such that the doctors always put other people first and not themselves, and you're sort of expected to do that throughout the training. So self-care is perhaps not the top priority for a medic, and that certainly contributes to any burnout. Sonia, I want to thank you for joining us on Jordan Space today. It really has been an enlightening conversation. Uh, what I'd like to ask you what, what you feel is the main thing you'd like people to take away from today's show. I would like people to not tolerate burnout because I think that's the mistake. I would like people to address their stress sooner so that it doesn't even get as far as burnout. And I would like people to uh, spend more time looking at their careers and what they're getting out of it and to, to take a little bit more um, 
time in career planning, I think. Now, that's great advice. And, and in bringing things to, to a close, uh, what is the best way for people to, to learn from you or, or burnout, uh, burnout Geese, of course, which is uh, uh, the, the banner in which you work under? Um, what is the best way for people to learn from you about burnout? one way is to just link with me on LinkedIn because I do make regular posts on burnout topics on there and the other is perhaps to go to the burnoutgeese.com website and to read a little bit of the um, information on there. Good and of course we, we couldn't have you leave without just explaining the the link with uh, with geese there. <laughs> yes geese well not only do I have geese flying around my house uh, but 30 odd years ago I ended up um, contributing to a, an organization called Stress Factory, which was like a sort of group therapy for stressed uh, GPs in Twickenham. And I was given a sheet one night as part of the, um, the training that, that this uh, founder was, was offering. And it was a, a description of how geese look after themselves and look after each other. And it affected me profoundly. And I kept this piece of paper and it, I stumbled across it again about five years ago uh, in a filing cabinet as I was sorting through. And I thought, gosh, that really, that really is quite profound. So when I was looking for a name for, for you know, some burnout organization, I was originally going to call it the burnout doctor. But of course, I'm not, I'm not a clinically practicing doctor anymore. So that was inappropriate. So the burnout geese idea came from that, really. Fantastic. Well, what a note to end on. I think we need to be looking out of our windows and learning a little bit more from geese uh, when it comes to uh, <laughs> dealing with our own burnout. Sonia, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, join us uh, today for the show. And uh, uh, thank you very much for, uh, for being here today. Thank you, Steve. It's been a privilege. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Time for another inspirational quote. Be happy. Be inspired. Everything you want to be, you already are. You're simply on the path to discovering it. Alicia Keith. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, well, uh, Danny, uh, Paul, uh, what an interesting conversation with Sonia. Yeah, really interesting conversation. I mean, uh, burnout is something that particularly resonates with me. I've experienced burnout twice in, in my career, two different types of, of burnout and a lot of what uh, Sonia said resonated I think that um, uh, a couple of the things that really stuck in my mind one is the fact that you know until recently people like World Health Organization didn't really recognize it as as a, as a condition when you know people have been experiencing this for many many years and this is what happens in this field it takes these institutions a long time to catch up like the World Health Organization only did its first ever report on suicide in 2015 um, also, you know, she was talking about everybody can be affected. I think that's a really important message. We do too often get into risk groups and we try and focus on particular groups. It doesn't solve the problem. Anybody can be affected. And the third point that really kind of stuck with me, um, which I hadn't really thought about that much, was what you asked the question, a great question about the upside. Is it, are there benefits to burnout? And, and um Sonia replied by saying, yes, there are, there are benefits. And, and it made me actually think and reflect because after my first period of burnout uh, as a chief executive in a very busy business, I decided to change my lifestyle and move to Australia. So I consider that a benefit, actually. 
I think that's really interesting. And that point, I have to say, did stand out for to, to me as well. That it, it it kind of was a warning and a flag to you know potentially make some changes there. So absolutely agree with you, Danny. What what stood out uh, for you from uh, the conversation with Sonia? Um, I think just really how crucial it is to get the support you need if you're experiencing burnout. Um, like Sonia was saying, you can't just use the sticky plaster method like going on holiday to recover and that you actually need proper intervention to get better. So I think it's really important to recognise the difference between stress and burnout. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. The sticking plaster, again, was something that resonated with me. We kind of carry on, you know, and I, I can be guilty of this, carry on working, 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 and, you know, maybe taking a short break or a short walk and thinking that that's it. But uh, you know, this can accumulate. And, and, you know, the point Sonia made about, you know, it's really about ignoring long-term stress that's accumulated over time that leads to burnout. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. And she talked about complexity of it and the fact it's relationship to depression and so on. And, and right at the very beginning of the interview, she talked about the, her own kind of career development. And I think it's important for people to recognise, because I've found this with clients I've coached and counselled, um, some people fall into careers and they, they find themselves absolutely working around the clock doing things which they suddenly realise are not actually what, what they want to do or the most important thing in their life. And on the flip side of the coin, people find callings and things that they are passionate about and they do want to devote their time to and then get burnt out trying to do that, including what we call compassion fatigue. Really good point to, to end on. Uh, so, look, thank you both. That That is it for our third show all already. Um, and uh, to everyone listening, I, I hope you found the points discussed in today's show interesting and, and helpful. Uh, so from Danny, Paul and me, your host, Steve Phillip, uh, look after yourselves and do look out for those close to you. This has been Jordan Space, and we look forward to having you join us for our next show very soon. A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. UK. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright applies. With inspirational guests from around the world, inspirational quotes, the inspirational book of the week, the meditation hour, the quiet zone, and feel good music. Yawa Radio is about well being, happiness, and finding the beauty within. Enjoy. Be beautiful. Be happy. Be inspired. This is Yawa Radio.